Where will you be when the Magina send for you? With special guest Jeff Colnott. Episode 7, Season 2 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Hey everybody, we're back. What's going on? Hello everyone. Boy, do we have a very interesting show for you today. Yeah, Wayne was flying solo on this one while I was out of town. Yeah, unfortunately for a funeral for a family member and uh I was very sorry that I could not make it out, but I had one week of school still to go that I had to finish up work, and that was finals week, and it is finally over. Thank you, baby Jesus. (laughs) So another year down, few more to go. So welcome to the show. Tonight we have Jeff Colnott coming on, a fellow Michigander, and he has some interesting takes on what are called the Tall Whites. Children of Orion, the Magina, whatever name you want to call them. They are here for you. (laughs) So that's going to be very, very interesting conversation we're going to have. And also I'm going to be playing a little bit of what some people say is their language that was recorded. So you guys will be hearing that before we cut into the interview. So be ready for that. All I can say is hold on to your hats because it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, there's no trying to decipher what they're saying. No, no. The the language, if it is a language, is totally foreign to us. But you guys will hear that soon. Well, before we get to that, I think it's that time, Wayne. What time is it? It's time for What's in the News. Oh, yes. What is in the news? Straight out of WXYZ Detroit, Texas Zoo warns of possible chupacabra sighting. Amarillo, Texas. Zoo officials in Texas are scratching their heads over what they saw in a surveillance video. I know what it is. Oh, man. It's Crash Bandicoot. It is Crash Bandicoot. So and when people look at this in the link, they'll probably say the same thing if they know anything about that video game. But the surveillance video was taken on May 21st of this year at 1.25 a.m. This does not look any animal known to man. 
Now, officials at the Amarillo Zoo are wondering if this could be a chupacabra. The image of the two-legged creature was captured around 1.30 a.m. on May 21st. (laughs) Stop laughing. It's horrible. (laughs) Some people speculated that it was simply a person in a costume, while others said it could be a coyote on its hind legs. City officials said the creature never entered the zoo and zoo animals were safe. But the cameras weren't. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh. This is this is ridiculous. You know what? One when I was looking through my apps and the the title came up with chupacabra, I'm like, oh, I've got to read this. And I looked at the photo, and guys, you're gonna have to check out the show notes and the links for this one. A lot of people probably know exactly what we're talking about because this is making national news all the way around that this could be a chupacabra okay uh, no it's crash bandicoot it it, it it it's ridiculous i i just need a video game controller right now <laughs> it looks like hey somebody turned the light on me uh it's like that freeze moment you know and guys check out the image <laughs> in the links yeah let's leave this one alone. yeah that one we would love to hear your emails or anything on our facebook group what you think this is we might have to make sure that we upload that into the group too to see oh my god yeah this is i could have some fun with that oh man but on to a little bit serious news. Well, as serious as it can get out of Sacramento, KFBK News Radio, triangular UFOs seen in California are stranger than aliens. And of course, they host the picture of the triangle. So, absolutely. That, that looks like the one we saw too. So, when you go to this link on the um, for the news, you're going to see the triangle with the three lights in each corner, but no light in the center. And that's kind of the, like so the one that we saw. This was just released on the 14th, so just a few days ago. Black triangular objects emitting a strange white glow were seen hovering multiple times over a U.S. Navy air base in California. According to Daily Star, several servicemen had spotted the UFO and did not know how to explain what they had seen. Former Navy serviceman Angelo Asetta resided at Lemoore Naval Air Station in Lemoore, California in 2011. He explained to UFO researcher Ryan Sprague that this object was no ordinary plane. I noticed an object in the night sky. It was too slow to be an F-18 Super Hornet. I'm very familiar with these planes because of my job. Asetta wrote to Sprague. Asetta described the object to be lit up on each corner. The lights were on each point of the triangle. They were extremely bright and gave off a white glow. He told Sprague that the object moved moderately fast and almost looked as if it were gliding on water. By the time that he had centered in on the object to get a good look, it sped away into thin air. When Asetta told his superior at the base what he had seen, his superior did not take take it seriously. My superior immediately laughed and jokingly asked if I had been drinking on the job. Asetta and a few other servicemen witnessed the strange triangular object glide over the base multiple times after the initial sighting. 
Daily Star mentioned that every time they saw the object in the sky, there were never any naval planes around. It is still inconclusive as to what these objects are. Now, what it sounds like he described is exactly the same thing that we witnessed in 2018. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that I wish he would have tried to give some kind of dimensions because we don't know. In this article, there's no talk about how big he thought it was on each side, which way it was going, you know, current weather conditions, nothing. The details are very limited, but it's interesting that it's still being talked about on news radio out in Sacramento. So we'll have to follow this and see if any more articles come our way. Yep, absolutely. All right, Michelle, why don't we go ahead and get this interview going? Well, let's go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about Jeff. So Jeff Colnott is a West Michigan native who has dedicated most of his life to playing music. In recent years, he has developed a huge passion for the UAP phenomenon. The testimonies of David Fravor, Bob Lazar, and Charles Hall have changed his worldview. Jeff is an enthusiastic researcher and has also become an experiencer starting in February of 2022. Jeff has adopted the viewpoint that the beings that pilot the UAPs are also responsible for the vast majority of all paranormal activity. He believes that the future human hypothesis is the most compelling theory for the UAP phenomenon. Jeff has conducted field expeditions at a haunted location in West Michigan and has received compelling results that were verified by witnesses. All right. So as promised earlier in the show, we're going to go ahead and lead into this interview with Jeff with some sounds that is reported to be the language of the children of Orion, also known as the Tall Whites or the Magina. You be the judge. episode of the podcast we have a newcomer into the fields of paranormal and ufo investigations he's an experiencer and a researcher a michigander and i'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot from him in the future so ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome jeff colnott to the podcast jeff thanks for joining me yeah it's a pleasure to be on yeah, it's just going to be you and I tonight uh, as Michelle is off doing family things. We've had a couple deaths in the family, so she's out of state um, doing the the whole family reunion slash funerals. And, you know, we just got hit with a lot of things at the end of the school year. So, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. 
Um, with that being said, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you involved in this topic or the topics of UAPs and paranormal? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a West Michigan native. I've lived a few other places. Most of my life, I've been into music. Uh, as far as paranormal, I'm kind of primed for it in the sense that uh, I've always liked the idea of it. Uh, pop culture's kind of primed me for it, but yeah, as far as you know, serious investigation. There was just never, it was always the stigma, never not enough evidence. And it was just a big question mark of, you know, kind of what's going on with it, you know, and I couldn't really, didn't know where to dig and, and, and so on and so forth. But what ended up happening, well, you know, post 2017, there's been a lot of developments with everything, but I saw testimonies of uh, David Fravor. I think he was on Lex Friedman. And Bob Lazar, Rogan, I don't know if Fravor did uh, Rogan or not. Maybe he did. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I saw those interviews and that really piqued my interest that, you know, our, our, our pilots or fighter pilots are uh, tracking these types of things. And then that kind of really sent me down the YouTube rabbit hole, eventually the book rabbit hole. And I came across the testimony of... Uh, uh, former Nellis Air Force Airman Charles James Hall, who was at Nellis in the mid '60s, and that his story was so bizarre, it had a high truth value to it for me. And then I uh, basically that kind of led me down to other people and uh, an Australia Australian author and researcher by the name of Ryan Musgrave Evans, who really kind of helped uh, fill in the pieces of, around Charles Hall's testimony, and he has his own experiences and i have recently have had experiences which have a lot of the common points that a lot of a lot of these people are reporting on so that's just kind of the reason more the last two years it's you know development you know i'm i'm 40 now so i've got roughly half my life behind me so it's, it's hitting me right in the middle so Usually there's something that gets people more involved and you had mentioned that you're an experiencer and things that have been going on uh, since around 2017 or so with you. So can we dig into that a little bit in there? What was the tipping point? Uh, Cause pop culture can only go so far. I mean, it, it does prime us all, but what happened? Uh, well, the tipping point was, well, it was, um, it was it was those interviews with Lazar and Fravor and uh, the Charles Hall Millennia Hospitality series and his his subsequent presentations and films. It was such a bizarre and strange story. It drove my curiosity through the roof, and um, I, I guess I guess it would say that because it, it just it captivated me. I read, read his books and it was some of the, it was some of the you know I'm kind of being a little fanboy here, but it was some of the most interesting and also emotional testimony i've ever heard he he bonded with these people and that's what they actually are they're not aliens they're actually a different type of people and it it just struck all kinds of emotional points and just from physiology to psychology to um all these different areas it was just extremely interesting now was he did he write about the tall whites is that the am i thinking of the the right yeah that's, that's what he called them they in those days it was pre-disclosure they didn't want disclosure at that time anyway and so they what they've done through we'll get into if we have time for many thousands of years is kind of 
trick people and misdirect them into thinking they're a phenomenon or B phenomenon. In this case, they didn't directly tell him. The Air Force didn't directly tell him either. He was kind of, he was picked because he was a very, he was intelligent, but he was also very calm to be kind of like a, a test human for them to interact and learn with. And, um, but yeah, it's the same dude. And he's talking about the same people. He just has, he, he doesn't, you know, have quite the same take on it as myself and other individuals do. So you had mentioned David Fravor and I'm a former military guy. And so when a military person comes forward and starts talking about this stuff, I really like to listen. I'm also a scientist and it really piqued my interest, especially with the experience that my wife and I had with seeing a giant, you know, flying triangle over Canton, Michigan and uh crazy stuff like that and because i would have never wanted to do something like this but now my my interest is so peaked i want to talk to everybody and see what their experiences are but the david fravor interview was very fascinating because here you have a top gun pilot you know he's the one of the best if not the best in the world at what he does. He's a no nonsense guy, even though he joked around about going full afterburners at night over people's campsites and, you know, messing around. Um, Even the most serious people have, have kind of a a, a coyote part to them, you know, a trickster part to them. But what Mm -hmm. about when, when he was talking about his experience, what really got to you? What do you, what resonated with you and why? Performance characteristics for one. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I guess in some ways I'm a, a frustrated aviator in the sense that I wanted to be one before I was a teenager. It, it maybe it's still on my bucket list. I still want to be a pilot, maybe a private license someday. But it was how he said it engaged with him. It intelligently noticed him. It turned towards him. It you know it noticed him and and also the interactions above the water, and and that has led me down. I've learned a lot about what's under the water um, in my research. And that was just, that was very interesting. What, what, what was, you know, what was that all about? You know, that, you know, um, so I guess that's some, some of it in a nutshell, you know, just the performance characteristics and, and the intelligent control and lack of control surfaces and visible propulsion and all that stuff. There's a, a lot of people out there that are kind of calling what they're seeing drones and things like that. What are, what's your, what's your opinion on it? I have a, a very different take on what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you think? What? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's well. I'm going to, I mean, not likely. I don't think that's what's going on. I think uh, historically, at least in modern age, these things have been regularly recorded since the late forties before any type of, homo sapien technology was we were just breaking the sound barrier then then you look back at cave paintings that have depictions of ufos and biblical times different ancient civilizations you know i think i think the drone thing is the modern day swap gas approach to it i mean drones yeah they're getting more sophisticated but um I was watching, I'm going to butcher his name on an interview with Michu Chaku, whatever, the, the physicist on Rogan. And he was saying our, our, our newest hypersonic drone is, drone is unstable and they actually had to put it to bed for a while 
and the Russians announced they're doing it. So in return, we're reopening our program again. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm not convinced that's what's going on at all. So. Yeah, I tend to agree when, uh, when you have an advanced aviator and a fighter pilot in David Fravor and he cannot identify what's going on and he's talking about this thing, basically mirroring his actions and acting as if it is intelligently controlled. And then you've got people that come in and try to debunk like, you know, Mick West is a very famous debunker and he does some good stuff. I'm not going to discredit him or anything like that, but you know, they, they come in and, you know, everything is the backside of an airplane or it's a star or it's swamp gas or something. And it almost seems like that no matter what it is that people that once they have it in their mind, that they're going to debunk something they will, they will find anything to say. And I just, I don't know where that, that comes from and why they would question the testimony. I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but maybe it's just people like don't like to not everybody, but some people don't like to admit to the possibility of new information that they may or may not be privy to. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an ego thing, you know. It could yeah, it could be or you know, when something challenges your world view, you know. Yeah, yeah. People like world views, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing you had mentioned in your bio and um, that we've read to our audience earlier is that these testimonials helped change your worldview. So how, how has that happened? What, what was your worldview and now how has it changed it? Well, I would say that previous to that, I was open to the idea of, uh, for instance, extraterrestrial life. I was primed for it. Um, now it's even more, I guess you would say exotic. Um, now I've primed for the idea of extra dimensional life, perhaps multiverse timelines. Um, so it's just opened me up in, of what, what, what is, could be possible. Um, we had guest on not too long ago, Jared Murphy, and he wrote the book, and it's it's fascinating. I, I can't wait to dig into this more. But he wrote the book. It's not aliens worse. It's us. Mm-hmm. I want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. He, he And as far as I know, he's still in the process of revisions and then okay. he'll be releasing it and you be able to pick it up on his website and Amazon and things like that. But it, he really focuses on the ancient alien hypothesis and kind of blowing that out of the water. And I, I think he's, he's really onto something with his ideas and he's going back all the way to about 76,000 years ago, where there was a huge super volcano that erupted in Indonesia mm-hmm. and that wiped out a very advanced human population on this planet that we're doing things that we can only dream of. Mm-hmm his idea is, is that these UAPs and things that we're seeing are the remnants of this, you know, high tech civilization. They're hiding in the ocean. They're hiding in different bases. What's your take on that? What do you, what do you think? Um, I definitely think uh, other, uh, um, at least, well, there's four, but there's two now. 
at, at least top a maximum of four extra dimensional humans have been in our timeline since at least the beginning of recorded history. I'm going back Sumerian, Egyptian, uh, th- those empires. I, I, you know, obviously, um, I'm, I don't, I don't know about 76,000 years. I'm open to the idea of it. Um, but as far as them being remnants of that, of that civilization, I, from my testimony, I don't know it's possible, but I think, um, it's, well, we'll go on a little bit of a deep dive here, but, um, the, the uh, reasoning for these uh, two main groups that are both 52,000 years more advanced than us, they evolved separately in different, they went to different places of, of the galaxy and then eventually had to come back. Primary reason for that was uh, genetic, uh, genetic engineering problems that they couldn't undo without accessing the source code, which is us, purebred homo sapiens. And that was the pure motivation for uh, to help out genetic errors, uh, health problems, not healing fast enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that it's possible there could be UFO tech from that old civilization. I, I, I haven't come across that yet, but I've come across, you know, and what I just went into, these other dudes and dudettes came back because they, they're having health issues uh, that need to be remedied by a genetic refer refurbishment, I would say. Uh, Jared talks about a um, our DNA is basically like a a backup or a, a, a source code for humans, and you know our DNA is like um, you know that backup for the human race. And mm-hmm. you know, with what you're saying there, that sounds like that could be a possibility as well. That it, it seems to come back to this um, DNA source code backup where you know we were down yeah. to 10,000 mating pairs after that explosion and you know 76,000 years ago and we tried to reboot and we couldn't you know this is like the best that we could get to and then we were hit again during the younger dryas back in about 12,600 years ago which you know then we've got all the writings of the great flood mm-hmm so and then we got you know smacked around again after that and so there there's been these genetic bottlenecks that have happened and we can trace that scientifically that's there's no there's no debate with that that humans hit a genetic bottleneck starting about 76,000 years ago we see that now with like cheetahs and things like that that's why cheetahs are dying off there was not very many of them left and now that their genes are becoming so corrupt it because they had so much inbreeding that now they're endangered and it's not so much from hunting as it is their own genetics killing them so yeah yeah they're ending sure. up with diseases and things like that which could possibly be why we're getting cancer more and more and things like that if you think about it but all right so let's talk about some of your personal experiences and, and what's been going on with you. And I think this is where we kind of shift gears from like a UAP thing into a paranormal type mm-hmm. of realm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, for sure. why don't you give us a little bit of background in that and um, what really pulled you into that side of things? Cause I know you mentioned that you are now doing research into 
um, and doing field expeditions. So give us a little bit background on that and what's going on. Yeah, first, I guess you could say this has been the last about five, six months that I've kind of uh, gotten into this and started having some experiences. Um, The first was uh, via CE5. Uh, You may or may not be familiar with Dr. Stephen Greer's uh, the meditation technique and you put out good intentions for consciousness and for him, it was, you know, just put it out to whoever's out there. I was reaching out to a specific group, one of the two extra-dimensional future humans that are still currently here called the Magina. And um, I'll just tell the story how it happened. So um, my girlfriend, she, you know, she had had a few drinks that night and was listening to music. I went to bed. She came to bed. I woke up. I couldn't go to sleep. So um, I took, I took some recreational marijuana, which I've been doing that for about six or seven years. And I, I know what the, that experience is like. So I took that. I was super calmed. My mind was super empty. So I went, Oh, now I said, Oh, now would be a good time to try the, the, the whole CE5 thing. Cause I, my mind was just totally like Zen. And then, so I did that, did the meditation that I, I called out mentally and, you know, I wasn't on any other substance or anything, mushrooms or, or, or any, any of that type type of thing. But what seemed like less than probably five minutes, I, I noticed a distinct mental shift. Like I was no longer completely in control of my body. Almost like, you know, here are things like sleep paralysis. Uh, these people call it uh, mesmerization or, or hypnosis. And so I felt, of course, you know, at the time, um, I'd actually had some undiagnosed PTSD I was dealing with. So I was like, oh, what's going on? And then, then you know, medical marijuana causes some paranoia. So I'm like, these paranormal experiences, like, this, each, every step escalated, the fear went up one notch. So I was like, felt like my mind being tapped into. So I was like, what is this? And then, you know, I think, I can't remember what they call it when your eyes are closed and you see little shapes moving around. But my eyes were closed, but I saw full color images of faces. And these were the future human imagine of faces, which have very high cheekbones, a kind of a, a chiseled uh, chin. Um, it's kind of like nothing against this woman, but it's kind of like an, an exaggerated version of Reese Witherspoon. If you were to like say for a person that looked like kind of this chiseled sure. shape. And larger blue eyes that are about twice the size of ours go around the si- side of your head. And there's about five images, each one lasting about a second. And they changed. And sometimes, you know, the hair, the hairstyles would even change. Your hair is typically blonde or translucent. Uh, but sometimes they wear wigs. Some even looked a little bit darker. But then after that happened, um, I was lying on the side of the bed, my right side of the pillow. I heard a woman's voice speaking. Um, she was giving a command. She was saying, do not do this or do not hesitate to. And then when I heard her voice, it just freaked me out. The images already freaked me out. And I was just, I started to resist. I was like, I pulled back and um, her voice became garbled. Like it was a bad connection. And then it just snapped out. Like, and then I woke up. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't awake, but I was asleep. I mean, I was awake, but then I opened my eyes. And I had the distinct feeling of I wasn't alone in the room. And I, I do know these people sometimes 
can levitate you from bed. You see it on the paranormal channels a lot, like slapped ham, depths of despair. You see people getting all lifted out of bed by some invisible entity. And I was hoping that my girlfriend would just hold me down if that happened, but that didn't happen. So that was the first experience I had. Um, I don't know if you want me to keep going or, or if, if you want yeah, to keep, that one a little bit. No, keep going. Uh, very interesting. Keep going. Yeah. I know, by the way, this is, you know, when people do like a recreational drug, I mean, this is nothing new. The ancient shaman used to do this kind of stuff and, and to help change their mindset. So, you know, I know a lot of people have given Stephen Greer a lot of grief with the CE5 and, you know, it's a money grab and things like that. And I can't disagree and I can't agree. I, I don't really have a position on it, but what he, yeah. what he does is a, it, it opens your mind and there are techniques. I mean, monks do this stuff. Look at Wim Hof. I mean, there are things that you can do just with the power of your mind, people that have healed themselves from sickness and, you know, all of this stuff. There's a whole bunch, I think there that we don't tap in. And sometimes the use of these recreational drugs that can calm and focus you can actually trigger some of those abilities that some of us may have, which goes back to kind of the, the genetic thing of what do we got hiding in our genes? Exactly. Yeah. So dig into it. Let's go. Yeah. So um, I've got a friend in Colorado Springs. He's definitely an experiencer of these people. He, He saw one in his house once and he yelled at it to get the F out. And then the lights flickered. And then he saw an orb flying around his basement and it went through the wall and he showed me the video um and that i've learned through some of my research uh there's a book called the meadow project i think it's trey hudson's the author that these guys were by uh, a southern equivalent of skinwalker ranch at an undisclosed meadow because they didn't want to give away the location because they didn't want a bunch of people to flood it and mess it up but um one of their friends in the party actually turned into an orb for 500 yards, then reappeared as a person. He had no idea he'd even been transformed. So on a side note, that just seems like these orbs could potentially be some type of transport device of some sort. But anywho, he's an experiencer and he's had, he was having issues with, uh, uh, stuff being moved around, poltergeist activity, sulfur smells, which I've come to learn my research is actually a residue of, of, of portals, like of atmospheric interference of a portal. Um, it just leaves that trace. And so one time when he had, he was pretty sure there was a, a cloaked being in the house because they got these tech suits, which allow all that fancy stuff. Um, I said, hey, well, you know, I've got a musical tribute to these people where I wear this cliff and I play this, this, this song on my guitar. I said, Just cast that to your TV. See, if, see if they see the glyph and, and see what happens. And then um, that night I had an extremely bizarre lucid dream where they were basically, um, you know, dreams are a little more robbery, a little more hard to prove, but it was, they were basically asking me all these questions, trying to learn who I was and, and, um, they were doing all kinds of uh, what they call a glamour, not appearing how they actually are. Um, so that one was a little, not too stressful. Um, but it was very interesting that 
I rarely have lucid dreams that that happened the same night that I said, Hey dude, cast this music thing with this shirt for the people in your house. And I think I was, they were it caught their attention because they're very curious people in general. Um, recently, the most recent set, uh, I talked to Burton from lost in the dark and he gave me a, a, a good haunted location by night, my neck of the woods. I went there, uh, wearing this shirt. And then, um, I have a recording of their natural language, which was recorded in the early seventies between somewhere between Lake Tahoe and Yosemite national park. A lot of people think it's Bigfoot recordings, but it actually, um, it's more imagine a natural language is what it sounds like with, uh, it's a, it's a mixture of sort of Oriental sounds like samurai speak mixed with like a guttural German with animal mimicry. So animal calls like, and sometimes a bird chirps and stuff. Um, so I went out there playing that and I went, I, did, I ver- verbally imitated it too. Um, and, and this, this experience later became a little bit more compelling because we came back there a second time and had some really insane, insane stuff happen. But, um, so I came home that night and I had extremely restless sleep. My girlfriend said, okay, I well, I, I hate to interrupt you. But yeah. I got to ask, did your friend report anything back to you? Did anything happen on his end when he started casting the music and showing the glyph? Um, not, not, he didn't report anything that night, but he had had other things that were going on independent of that. Oh, okay. So you, you told him to cast it, you know, to stream it through his TV with that glyph. And then you are the one that ended up having the lucid dream about yeah. these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that, 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 that didn't work out how you wanted it to. <laughs> well, it worked out how I wanted it to kind of, because I wanted, you know, as crazy as I want to make contact, you know, and I, I sort of have in, and it's complicated. I think, cause we're still, we're still pre UAP disclosure. So I think there's a lot of, uh, secrecy going on with what they'll do or what they'll say or how oh, they'll sure. present themselves. Um, but no, he is, he has continued to have, uh, off and on poltergeist activity. One time he got home, everything in the house was rearranged. He asked them not to, um, come around when his son was there. Cause it was freaking the sun out. And they actually honored that. Uh, so they, they kept kind of quiet for a while. And, um, so yeah, he, you know, this, this is like a longer story, but we think he might, he might, he might, they have breeding programs. Like I said, they need, they need to mate with free range ancient humans. There is some circumstantial evidence that might suggest that's what's going on with him. But I mean, that, that's like another whole side story. But so anyway, I had that weird lucid dream and then Bert supplied me with the site of that haunted place. And we, I've been there, I've been three times so far. Um, and I won't give the location away right away in case I don't know how many people see this and it gets flooded. But um, if you, if you want to recreate some of this, anybody wants to recreate some of the stuff, you can try these approaches at other haunted locations. There are, there's there are pretty much plenty of them all over the place. Um, so uh, I went, I went to the site. Um, my girlfriend was with me. Um, she was just kind of along for the ride, you know, playing these, this, this recording of this language, imitating it, different parts had this shirt and then 
that night I had ex- extremely restless sleep and I, you know, I never have restless sleep. And at one point I woke up Well, I was in a dream. I thought it was a dream, but I think it was a, a partial state of mesmerization. And there's a window to the side of the bed, my right side. And there was a bright orange light and my cat was bothered by it. And I was like, what's that and then i had the silly notion that it's a supernova and it wasn't i thought it was stupid but it was almost like the thought was planted there it was that's a supernova i need to go close the shades and so when i went up to the shades i saw a good six seven foot pure white imagine walk right in front of the window and i can't tell you that the fear was instant and primal because my brain didn't recognize it. i took a big inhale and the next thing I woke up, it's super cliche. I was like, they're here. And I, you could hear the fear in my voice. My, my girlfriend had to calm me down. She's like, what, was that a dream or were they there? And I was like, well, I think it was a dream. And at that point, I didn't really know what had happened, but I hadn't really had nightmares since I was a kid. And I don't think it was a nightmare because it was, my brain didn't recognize what it was seeing and it didn't know how to process it. It was a large pale white humanoid shape walking in front of the window. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade, from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moon Bear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop, and Spaced Out Radio After Hours Show. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jared Murphy of NotAliens.com, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Burton. And Aaron from Lost in the Dark Podcast. And raise your horns because you're listening to Wayne and Michelle from the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hi, this is Seth Talk from MUFON and the author of You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens and the host of Alien Spirit TV with Seth on YouTube. You're listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. (sighs) 
Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. This is Terry Lane Keel, Director of MUFON Memberships, Investigator, Demonologist, and Author of Alien Healing, the true story of a benevolent extraterrestrial. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Schrett, military aerospace historian and private pilot. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. And we're glad to have you with us today. Hi, this is Alex Nadinsky, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What I'd like to show you guys is the infinite pool of experience and awareness, which can be found at luciuslabs.com. And it's a book that I've written after basically meditating for 27 years. Basically, it goes over modern physics. It takes you all the way from modern accepted physics to understanding that we live in a layering of conscious types within time and that our consciousness is eternal. And um, I think what was going on was oh, you're not a ghost hunter. You know kind of what's going on here. Let's investigate you. And I wasn't given any direct message. I wasn't threatened. There was, you know, I wasn't injured that I know of. I think it was just um, when, that, the, when I woke up, when I saw it walk out and I woke up, I think that could have been the beginning of a missing time experience. I don't know for sure because I, I wasn't there to, it didn't have like a clock to measure it. Um, so went back to the same site on the weekend with, my girlfriend and a, 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 a band buddy kind of did the same thing. This time it was interesting. There were some ghost hunters there. They had REM pods, spirit boxes, stuff was getting set off. Um, did kind of the same thing. Uh, my girlfriend stayed back further in the woods. Um, I went forward with my buddy. We, you know, tried to do some sounds, and, you know, and he had noticed an odd thing. It was like 60 degrees. We could see our breath, which was very interesting. We were getting some strong cold spot activity. And the girl, you know, we came back to where my girlfriend was. And she says, you know, guys, they're, you know, they're all around me. Well, are, are you messing with me? But my friend saw it too. And I saw some strange bioluminescent lights. But the cloaked silhouettes of what was their children running all around her because she was imitating these sounds too. one even touched her back but she said <coughs> sorry it was like they were sniffing her and there was three adults in the trees that it actually looked kind of like the predator suits i had two eyewitness testimonies say these suits it was like this you know, you know the kind of silhouette that see very transparent but what moved really fast you could kind of see something and um so that happened and you know, two people saw it and one, my friend, you know, the bass player friend, he's, he saw, you know, they'll the oftentimes run on all fours. They get to up to 10 feet by the time they're in old age. Yeah. I think it's 
maybe it's more comfortable or for lower the center of gravity. He says he saw this gray shape, small gray shape charging towards him. And then when he didn't run away from it, it just disappeared. And I, unfortunately, I didn't see any, any of that. I saw these strange little bioluminescent markers in the areas that had been. I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was a technological artifact. Um, so one final part to the story. Uh, I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm trying to like make contact, you know, my, my dream is like, you know, you know, cause there have been select experiencers who have had open contact where there is no memory alteration. There is no mesmerization. There can actually be interaction. So I went back to that same site about three or four days later. Um, and basically had a, a gift bag of toys for their children. You know, even if the kids aren't into those toys, they do like homo sapien artifacts, like, uh, uh, there's been testimonies where they've never seen a ballpoint pen before. You know, they, they have to be taught how to eat jello because they think if you drink it, because it's, it's just a different society. So I got, I, you know, I made up a little gift bag, the Orion's belt and the black star, because the black star is of religious significance, spiritual significance to them. And I kind of put it 10 feet off the trail and a homo sapien could have seen it, but I came back three or four days later, the bag was gone. I don't know who claimed it. Um, it's a pretty remote area, but I put this little um, uh, solar light flashing flower to kind of help mark it. That was still there. Um, I went, you know, I kind of went around the area. Mo- not much happened until the end. I heard rustling in the trees above me. This is broad. This is about two in the afternoon and leaves were breaking like, like 30, 40 foot trees. Like, so it felt like something was watching me from above. And, um, that's pretty much the latest that's happened at that site. And I'm, I'm looking for more, but, um, it's, it's important for me to do it during the summer because they're kind of, they're kind of seasonal. They like warmer weather. So say, you know, dead of winter in Michigan, these dudes won't, won't be hanging around as much. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't I, see the paranormal stuff like that. See, to me, I put that in the category of like shadow people and oh, yeah. and yeah. things like that. And uh, I don't like that stuff because I was charged by a very large me and, and a singer from my old band and Eloise. We were we were down in the tunnels and we saw this huge, dark, shadowy figure down the tunnels. And it started charging us, no sound, but you could tell it was running. And when it hit us, it just dissipated into like a fine mist. And that was it. You know, I was like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. That's probably the same type of being. You said this was some years ago? Yeah, this was, shoot, this was when we did our first album, 94, 93, 94. So, yeah quite a while ago but of course you know everybody knows about eloise and how it's haunted and this that and all the things that happen there so but um well basically um they live underground they they've lived subterranean 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 uh habitations for quite some time either my old mine shafts caves tunnels abandoned tunnels and let me tell you a little bit about the suit functionality the suit functionality has cloaking, levitation, telepathy, and intangibility. So when it turned into a mist, it probably shifted its atomic structure. And, you know, a lot of times that kind of behavior 
is just to scare people off. You know, if they're at least in my experience, if they're really going to hurt you, you have to hurt them. There's a very interesting case in Bangor, Michigan, this was west of Kalamazoo, where um, there's kind of a, a my drummer has a friend who his older brother was kind of like a hoodlum teenager, kind of a, a vandal type guy. And, he, and they had all kinds of poltergeist activity in around their house. Just nothing malicious, just weird stuff going on. And what ended up happening was this, this teenager, I, I don't even know his name, so I, I can't get in trouble, but he, um, he, he lit one of the apple orchards on fire. And that really upset them. And their barn mysteriously burned down several times while the kids still lived there. And um, also while he was in this barn, a drumstick came flying at his head and lodged in the back of the wall. And uh, the t- a table with a stereo and CDs just mysteriously flipped over and dumped over. But it was almost like the kid had brought it on himself but by burning down the apple orchard. But when the kid left, the stra- high strangest was still there, but there was no more malicious intent kind of deal. So with these experiences you've been having with this other race, um, what what is something surprising that you've learned from contact with them? Do you think they have a message? Are they telling you things? I I I think I think I'm being closely observed because I think I'm very hot on their trail, and I don't think they necessarily have a protocol for especially pre-disclosure for people who know who they are. There seems to be a lot of evidence that suggests, okay, no direct contact, but masquerade around as, well, they take it on themselves to masquerade around as ghosts and, and tell people they're evil, they're evil spirits and their spirit box and things. I think it's, it's a lot of times it's just something their kids do to play. They'll, oh, go, go play with the wildlife, you know, go mess around with them kind of thing. I think as far as conscious messages, I was pretty close on that first experience because a woman was actually speaking to me, but my, my fear got so shot through the roof and they're like, well, that's not working out. Um, cause you know, it interferes with their electronics. Some people are in a, for tele- telepathy. Um, if you're in a heightened state, it, it's harder for their electronics technology to work properly. And, um, Right. I, I, as far as just bare, very basic messages, I think the woman might have been trying to tell me to calm down because it was interfering with it. And I sometimes wish, you know, they would just send a text message or, or a call. <laughs> you could be, communicate via our technology, make it a little less stressful. But um, there was no message, positive or negative. I wasn't warned. I think I'm with me. I'm being very curiously observed. Um maybe even my YouTube videos are being very curiously observed. You know, I'm, I'm friends with some more prominent researchers and um, yeah, maybe, you know, they're just seeing to wait and see what I do next. And then they'll kind of, okay. You know, I would like to want, you know, once I would like to grow my channel, then, you know, um, get some of at least even just like a fleeting image, get them on camera and, you know, because there have been people that have built relationships with these people. I think there's a lot we can learn from them, just, just out of pure curiosity sake, you know. So why you, though? I mean, is there something maybe from your past, maybe growing up when you were a child, any experiences you had there that maybe you've been watched for a long time? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point that you bring that up. Um, there were things 
that happened in the last five years that may not have been directly related to me, but I think it was them interacting with other people. And I happened to be in the middle of it. Like I was, I, I lived for a couple months in Wisconsin and, you know, a lot of, in, in haunting lore, you often hear like, uh, Oh, when, when a change comes to the house, the activity kicks up kind of thing. And this happens with these dudes too, because the testimony of Charles Hall, for instance, whenever a new airman would come in, they'd rifle through the airman's possessions and check out the new guy. And I had, I had a little bit of an experience of that when I was living with these people, these friends in Wisconsin, I moved in and then the door, you know, for a couple of times would mysteriously open it on its own. And there was knocks on the door, with nobody there. This is before I got there. I think they were close to a habitation area anyway, but there was the woman who lived there was in another room. And then a, a, a fake version of that woman walked up the stairs that somebody else saw. So it was like a hologram or something. Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with me specifically. Um, the thing is, is it's a little tricky because um, there, there could be a longer story arc, but a lot, they have, you know, like I said, they have the ability to um, alter memories. And when I talked to, you know, the prominent um, author and experiencer, Ryan Musgrave Evans, we got a, a friendly email um, dialogue going and, and I told him about the CE5 thing and he was like, well, that that's very likely your first conscious experience. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's in contact with these people on a semi-regular basis, you know, and, you know, it, maybe he knows something that I don't, you know, I, I don't know. But it, I've aggressively sought it out in the last couple of years, just in the same way that I aggressively sought out music. Like it, I felt compelled. It's something I have to do at this point in my life. So I don't know if something was switched on, perhaps. I, I don't know. Well, I think as musicians and artists in general especially with music when you're um, messing around with frequencies and different sounds and things like that i think that has a lot i mean you're putting a lot of waves of energy out there even though it's sound energy it's still energy and uh definitely feel like i mean i've i've played when i was in the bands back in the day we played very large venues of very large groups of people and it's very easy to influence people with just music and sound i mean they've been doing it for thousands of years in the military with cadences and yeah you know to get people fired up and things like that so you can you can watch a crowd's mood and everything change with these frequencies and uh it, it's it's very fascinating and it, i've seen a commonality one of the things i've learned doing this is there seems to be a connection between people who are very artistic and open with that creativity and it doesn't really seem like it matters what the the the, the artistry is okay. it just seems that people that are artistic seem to have a more open mind to be in communication with these things or you know they this might be what they called the muse back in the day right this is how you know they actually gave it an embodiment of when you were being uh influenced to create something and when you were creative that was your muse coming through and things like that so it's it's very fascinating and i think 
we lost a lot of that with our modern technology over the last, probably since the industrial revolution, we've become yeah. more, uh, more robotic, I guess, in closing down our minds versus, you know, what we were pre-industrial revolution. So um, jumping back real quick into UAPs, another person you had mentioned in your bio, which I find this person fascinating, and I want to get your thoughts on him, is Bob Lazar. Mm-hmm. And people are all over the spectrum with this guy. And I, and I will say this, I, I don't have a a dog in the fight with Bob Lazar, whether he's truthful or not, but I do find that either what he's saying is truthful about being in the S four location and the technology they had way back when in the seventies, when he was there, um, or he's extremely lucky because they have him on record saying, you know, they use these hand scanning technologies and things that, people had no idea and they were using them then. And now we use, you know, biometrics and things like nothing. You put your thumb on your cell phone and, Oh, look, it opens up. And by the way, you have access to the whole world in your pocket on that cell phone. So, you know, I, I think there's some credibility to what he has to say. So what is it about Bob Lazar that really um, even increased your passion for learning about UAPs, UFOs, and this whole topic? Well, partly it was the way he described, well, there's a couple of things, but how they were allowed to actually conduct their experiments and, and the amount of compartmentalization and secrecy that, I mean, that's something I've seen in other people I've researched too, where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And it just seemed like, yeah, that sounds about right. And, um, he just, he didn't really want to touch the subject. I don't know how, how, how Jeremy Corbell got him on, on uh, Rogan, but it just seemed like he's, he's, he hasn't really, at least historically, he hasn't gained a whole lot or, or he's lost a lot from talking about this. You know, back, back when he came out in the late eighties and started talking about it, he, he, he death threat. I mean, I don't know all the exact things happened, but his life was kind of turned upside down and, um, you know, living hell for a while, the way it sounded, and he just kind of retreated. And he took a big risk by going on Rogan, just that in general. And, it, and he seems to be, well, not exactly vindicated, but somewhat more vindicated. You know, there's, like you said, there's this huge discrepancy in all the different viewpoints about him. But um, one of the guys I have researched, uh, Dan Burrish, part of MJ-12, also worked at S4, and he corroborates a lot of the vehicles that Lazar had seen. So I also see that other witnesses have seen a lot of the same technology he he was privy to. Um, And just everything about the gravity amplifiers and um, element 115, and, you know, I can't verify it, but it's all super interesting, and, uh, you know, it would take... You know, especially with with the Nellis Air Force Base, dude, Charles Hall, but with Lazar to take someone with an extremely wild imagination with too much time on their hands to just be making this stuff up, and and to in such a high risk, high high risk endeavor to you know have your credibility ruined, be persecuted, and um, yeah, high yeah. risk and very little reward. I mean, yeah. I don't 
I don't see him having a very good life because of him coming out and saying oh, yeah. what he said. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, oh, a, yeah. he's he had a very promising career as a scientist, and I know he has his business in Michigan here somewhere. Yeah, um, I think part mid Michigan actually. Yeah. yeah, I drove by it recently. My buddy's, oh, that's where Lazar lives. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> but you know, yeah. Now, now Lazar is a Michigan boy, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, why would somebody take that risk and, and put that out there when, you know, they're very, obviously the guy's extremely intelligent. He knows oh, yeah. what he's talking about. And <laughs> I mean, the guy was putting jet engines and rocket engines on cars and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for sure. Come on. All right. Well, what else do you got going on, man? Do you got stuff coming up in the future that you're doing? Any researching, uh, field work, anything like that coming yeah, up? Um, I'm going to be hitting a few different sites up. Well, I'm going to be hitting as many sites, especially this summer as I can with haunted areas and, and, you know, I try to p- apply what I've already been doing to the previous sites with, with these other sites. And, um, I'm, I'll be ended up in Nevada in a couple of months. So I'm going to try to, um, there's some there's some sites that the Twin Paranormal is a big ghost hunting group called Twin Paranormal, and they have hit a few sites out there and they've had actual Magina interactions. They're, they're just calling it ghost interactions. I'm gonna try to hit a couple of those sites. Get get a nice uh, night vision camera. So if we can if we do catch something, I want to document it. Um, uh, my my solo project stuff. Um, I've got a song about some of this stuff. That, you know, I'm going to be releasing a record, an EP called Future Human, which is going to have for those in hard rock and metal. It's going to have some of some of these kinds of themes on there. It's going to have a Bowie cover and stuff. So uh, that'll be the summer. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to uh, you know I'll keep updating the channel. Um, like I said, I'm I'm hoping to get some some good footage or even just, just photos. Um, my ultimate goal, who knows when that will be, is to probably be post-disclosure, I'm guessing, but whenever that happens, but um, try try to get me talking to one of these dudes on camera, you know, yeah. you know hopefully, maybe something, it's a dream. But, you know. Yeah, that would be amazing if you could pull that off. And they can learn many languages, so, I mean, many of them know English, so, yeah. Um, speaking of Nevada, my wife and I, we got married in Lake Tahoe five years ago and uh we stopped by that the the clown hotel okay (laughs) that place is that's been a a place of many investigations and creepy as heck in the middle of the desert in this little town man and it's just what a place to have and yeah and i think when we were there you could buy the the hotel it was up for sale Okay. And I think it had been up for sale for a while. Nobody wanted to buy it. Just, I mean, there's a graveyard out behind, you know, in the back of it. It's, it was crazy. And like, now there's, there's no hope for me in that place. So we, we took some pictures and we left. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is a Stanley hotel in Colorado. Um, that's haunted. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd like, to, you know, I used to live out there. So I'd like to try to, spend some time there at some point too you know yeah do some investigations out there i know that place has been looked at quite a bit too oh yeah 
All right. So as we wrap this up, is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about? I know I wanted you to get uh, your channel out there and any information where people can find, you know, websites, social media, YouTube, all of that stuff. Yeah, you can look up. Uh, it's right now it's called the Future Human Channel and it's got the Magna Orion glyph on the cover. Um, if you're if you want to check out some music about some stuff, you can check out Captain Colnut with a K, either on Bandcamp or on Facebook. Um, otherwise, uh, I'm looking forward to exploring more and uh, seeing what more kind of cool stuff I can find. I guess, I guess you would say. Yeah, that'd be awesome because we would love to uh, get you back on here as you start digging more and more in Michigan and, and, you know, bringing that back to us and, and putting it out there and let people know, Hey, Michigan is a hot spot, man. Oh yeah, for sure. We are a, we are a hot spot and might have something to do with all the water, the lakes, uh, just oh. the geography, everything. Real, real quick. I know that um, I watched, listen to your eyes of March episode and I know the magic of fly triangles and that recurring March thing, just a wild theory. Like, I remember there's some woman who got pregnant or something like yes. um, maybe that's like, you know, as weird as creepy as it is, maybe that's like mating season or something, you know, uh, is just, just throwing it out there. I, it, I was, you know, it could be because if you go back through our Facebook and um, look at when people report a lot of the, the big black triangles that float around here and stuff. And then crazy things happening with them. It seems like it's between March and April, like right in there, March, April, maybe a little bit of February. And it, it it's triangles, triangles, and you know, more triangles. And then it goes dead. That's funny. Cause my friend in Colorado, of course he lives close to the air force bases, his activity heightened in those months, which was very interesting. I can't, I can't prove anything, but it's, it's very fascinating. It, it it would be a good piece of data to be able to go through and, and collect how many people. And I think there's the, the national UFO recording center and you can <laughs> go through and look and see what, what dates seem to be prominent with certain sightings, but yeah, for sure. It just seems like, you know, from the early nineties, to currently it's ufo the the flying black triangles either they have the light in each corner like my wife and i saw or they have the one in the middle that you know is kind of related to the tr3d and i know people like to say that's what it is but i'm telling you there's no way it that was ours there there's no way that was possible none real quick i'll just say if we had a tr3b i think it would have been used to our advantage by now that's oh absolutely it would it would be out there we couldn't keep the stealth fighter and the stealth bomber quiet yeah you know we had people like jim goodall out there in the desert taking pictures of them flying it you know and the best the best now that they could do it which would make it more difficult would be these drones you know the drones are kind of small about the size of a car and they can do all kinds of things and they look creepy as hell i mean I, I forgot the the latest drone that they have. I think it's called the Fox Bat or something like that. But I mean, it looks like it looks like a could be a flying saucer. I mean, geez, it's uh, yeah. it's insane. Right on. Again, thanks for joining us, and this was awesome. And uh, we cannot wait to hear 
hear more from you and uh, maybe toward uh, the end of the year after you do your summer of investigations, we'll get you back on here and see what kind of new revelations you might have. Yeah, that, that sounds that sounds great to me, man. Thanks a lot. Awesome. And so just one more time, how can people find your channel and what should they be looking for? Yeah, look for the Future Human channel. It's got a glyph of Orion's belt on there. Um, and if you're into, if you want to hear some music that's based on some of this, look up for Captain Colnott with a K. And that's on uh, Bandcamp and also on Facebook. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff, for joining us. And we will be talking to you soon. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. That was a very interesting interview. And Michelle, I know you weren't here to uh, help with the interview. Or experience it firsthand, but I was able to listen to it. Exactly. So what are your thoughts on everything that you heard? Well, here's the thing. You know, once you think that you know quite a bit into what is going on in the world then something else is added to the plate yeah i you know what lots to dive in into that you know the the whole term of you know the magina you know my mind goes straight to um the jinn and stories that you know we've recently heard from from friends of ours yeah that are from uh certain areas of the world like Macedonia where, you know, very old country and religions that have been around for a couple thousand years and mythology and the whole nine yards. Oh yeah. We, we've got some stories that we are hunting down to share with everyone. Absolutely. Some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed with his interview and his experiences is that there seems to be these commonalities that are starting to really show themselves with whatever this phenomenon is. You look at all the other interviews we've done with people and it, there's just certain things uh, such as uh, a manipulation of perception, um, a futuristic people coming back for DNA to help uh, re-engineer their their DNA because they have issues or health issues. Um, that might be something connected to like cattle mutilation too. People ask, you know, why would aliens travel all this way just to come here and take out our cows? Well, it's the same thing as why would aliens come and observe us doing nuclear weapons and then you're going to try to explain to us that they don't want us doing that, but yet they're not doing anything to stop it because if they can manipulate reality or change your brain function to change your perception as to what you're seeing, whether it's a little goblin, a gnome, a fairy, or a short gray, you know, if they can do that, then why don't they just stop all of the nuclear bombs and get rid of them and just show themselves and tell us, Hey, don't do this, which makes me wonder what's really the objective here. And I, I just, I don't like the secrecy of them. And it's been a thousand years, 2000 years. These things are reported all the way back into medieval times. So just show yourselves. Let's go. 
step out of that fifth dimension, I think people would be uh, ready to accept, you know, these things, whatever they are at this point, if we can even comprehend them. Feeling that the population would be hiding in bunkers with about 10 packs of water bottles. Oh, don't and forget the toilet, toilet paper. paper. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. It, it's like Jeff was saying about being primed by our media and culture of being accepting of these aliens and alien life. And, and by alien, I'm not thinking extraterrestrial anymore. I'm thinking something else. Something that's here but not here. And it's been here for as long as we have, if not longer. And I think we're sharing space on this planet with something, but it's a different kind of space. I I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, Time will tell. Yep. All right. So before we get out of here, let's tell everybody a little bit about the show and where they can find things. So don't forget that we are on YouTube. Please search us out by typing in Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. It's all one word, so you'll find us. Just remember, if that's not your main listening platform, because we're not a video podcast, um, you know, it, still go on over and like and follow us there. If you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. And if you do not think that in that news article that was not Crash Bandicoot, that's the email address you want to email to let us know what you think that creature is. But if you do like the podcast and would like some awesome swag, head on over to our online store at miufopodcaststore.online. That's how Wayne has been recognized, (laughs) wearing his shirt out and about and people recognizing him. Yeah. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page if you would like to support the podcast there. It is patreon.com forward slash M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E-P where you can sign up. We can't wait to give you a shout out for all of your support. You can also help support the podcast by buying us a cup of coffee. The links for that is provided in the show notes, just like everything else. All right, Michelle, I think it's time for us to get out of here. What do you think? Yep, I think it's time to wrap it up for the night. I could not agree more. And everybody, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And have a great night. Have a great night, everyone. And remember, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.